So Acts chapter 6, I'm going to read the whole uh, context here from 1 through 7, but we're going to focus on uh, a few particular phrases that I purposely kind of overlooked uh, or kind of glossed over a little bit last week, so just diving in a little bit deeper into this, but let's get the whole context here. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, the apostles speaking here, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So I want us to see something today, something very important. I want you to notice the result of Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. What was the result? The result of this plan they had to appoint these guys, to keep the apostles and the word of God in prayer. The result is that the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Now, we want that, right? Do we want that? Do we want to see the number of the disciples multiply greatly? I, I, I want to see that. I want to see that happen in my life and around my life. I want to see people meet Jesus. As I even reflect upon my own salvation 25 years ago, someone stepped out and, and preached Jesus to me. I think about my dad a year ago tomorrow. So many faithful people in his life to share Jesus with him. We want to see the disciples grow and multiply. That is what we want. We want to see people freed from their sin, from their fears, to be saved and born again. I mean, do you want your kids to grow up knowing Jesus? Do you want your kids to grow up knowing Jesus? Yes, we do. We, we want to have strong disciples within our church that are able to stand boldly in the face of growing opposition. That we saw a few weeks ago in a sermon, we're gonna see also in a couple weeks. We want our kids to be able to stand strong, we wanna be able to stand strong, we wanna see our neighbors, we wanna, we wanna see the number of the disciples multiply greatly. That is what we hope for. Now how does that happen? Well, we actually see in verse seven. It says, the word of God continued to increase. The word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. So we can't, we can't miss that. We can't miss that. The church grew because the word of God increased. That's how the church grows. We can't have the end result we desire. We wanna see disciples out there, we wanna see growth, all this stuff, we wanna see our kids raised up and be strong in their faith. We can't have the desire for that without having the very thing and even the only thing that has the power to bring that into existence. It's not enough just to want that, church. You can't just want that. That does nothing. 
right? It's like I tell my uh, baseball players, you know, when we do our little fight clubs and stuff, and I ask them, because I ask them, well, what do you want your future to look like? And they have their examples, oh, I want to have a happy marriage, I want to do this, this, this. Going, is it enough just to want that? And they're like, well, I don't know, coach. I go, let me ask you this. Is it enough just to want to be a great baseball player? Is that, is that enough? Is that'll, that'll do it for you? Well, no. What do you got to do? I got to practice. Gotta, I got to be serious about it. I got to do the reps. Okay, so let's get back to the other question. Is it enough just to want this preferred future? Is it enough just to want? So in our context, is it enough just to want to see people saved and see our kids grow up in Christ and to see our own lives change and see sin fall off of our lives. Is it just enough just to want, God, I, I want it so bad. That doesn't, that doesn't do it. That doesn't do it. The word of God has to increase in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, in our families, in our family discussions, in our conversations with our neighbors, in our conversations with our friends. The word of God has to increase. It doesn't just magically happen. And that's what is at the heart, even, of Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. God's desire, God's design to have the word be and remain as central to the church. That's his desire. Because when that happens, people get saved. Lives change. People are transformed. That's the very central message of Acts 6. The whole point of this discussion and raising these guys up is so that the word of God can stay central in the church's life. Because that's what causes the fruit. There's always gonna be many, many, many needs in our lives, always, just like we see in Acts 6. But God's word must always remain central in our church, in our lives, in our families, in our own hearts. Always must remain central. If we don't have the word increasing in our midst and in our lives, then we, we have nothing, we have no power to see any of this stuff happen. We can say all day long, we wanna make disciples, we wanna go see people saved, we wanna do the great commission in our, in our own life. We can want to be rid of sin, we want to want to grow in faith and be transformed and have joy and the peace of the Lord, and, and we want all of those things. But what we can't expect is to see a tree grow tall and strong without it being regularly watered and fed. That doesn't exist. There's no healthy, strong tree out there that does not have water and food. That does not exist. So oftentimes in our quest to see fruit in our lives, we forget that good fruit only comes from a healthy root. Healthy roots are what cause good fruit. And healthy roots come from being dipped in the living water and in the gospel year-round. In every season, good and bad. The heart of Acts 6, 1 through 7 shows a picture of a church that's maturing and growing in its health. And again, we can't just look at Acts chapter 6. We can't just look at Acts 6 and say, look, it's the pastors and the deacons. They're fixing all the problems. That's why the church was healthy. No, no, we have to go back to Acts chapter 2 through 5 and also 6. The church themselves, they're pressing into each other, breaking bread with each other, meeting in their homes daily with each other, in prayer together. They're devoted one to another, devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're giving to each other generously, taking care of each other's needs, pressing into one another. That's what's causing all of this to happen. So now here then in Acts chapter 6, we see this pressing in and serving in, only, in a way that uh, only provides the needs 
That's what this is doing. We're seeing the church press in that doesn't just provide needs, but it also keeps the word of God constantly being offered to the church as the bread of life and the living water to feast upon. So the people are pressing in, and they're not just providing needs. That's one thing they're doing. But what that does by doing that is then it keeps the word of God central so the church can feast on the bread of life. A church must feast upon the word of God. It must. A church family must feed and feast upon truth. It is one of your, your, your pastors, your shepherds' primary tasks if not even the primary task, as shepherds, we're to feed the flock so that we can be a healthy church. We can be that, that tree planted by water. And we're to feed the flock a full course meal. We come here on Sundays to gather together to feast on the word of God with each other. Not just a high five and you know, do all, I mean, and all this, all the fellowship, that's all a super important part of it, but we, we gather around a proverbial table to have a meal together on Sundays. And that's the word of God. It is the bread of life. That, that is why we gather. We gather around this. We gather around each other and feast on the words that are in this book because these have the words for eternal life. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. To be built up and strengthened by God's word. Encouraging one another. Exhorting each other. Consider a few verses here starting in, again in Acts 6. Look at this again. Uh, verse 2. The twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables, to do these other tasks. Now, the tasks were so important, so important. But it's not right for this part of the body, which is supposed to function in a certain way, to be doing a function. It's like, it's like saying, it's not right that the eye tries to hear. That wouldn't be good. The eye would do a terrible job at hearing. And we need to see. We need to be able to see. The body needs to be able to see. So the different parts of the body need to be doing the things that they're called to do. So it wouldn't be right for us to give up the preaching of the word of God if that's our primary task. That's what we're, we're called to do, to feed the flock. It would be not right for us to give that up to do the other thing. So therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves. We'll devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, now, don't take Acts 6, that, those verses in particular, as verses just written to make the elders' lives easier. Well, we just want to sit over here and just read the Bible and pray. Right? Somehow that this is saying that you know, the elders are above these other tasks and these tasks aren't important. That, that's not at all what's going on here. Good elders, good pastors, true shepherds of churches, they know that they are to be last in the church. So this isn't like a you know, cush life verse right here. Good shepherds, good pastors know that they are to be last in the church, the lead servants. They know that, that they are called to lay down their lives for the sheep. So this isn't a you know, easy verse kind of a thing. Uh, they know that their reward comes later. That's what Peter tells pastors. Your reward comes later. 
You live this life of pouring out and sacrifice and sometimes being trampled on by the sheep. So good shepherds know that. So this isn't a verse that gets them out of hard work. They just are in a different type of hard work. It's not about the elder's comfort. It's about the church growing and being blessed. It's about the church functioning the way that the church needs to function. It's about the church being fed a good meal, not just on Sundays, but through the week and various meetings and counseling and discipleship and all those different things. But when those, those shepherds are pulled away from their primary responsibility of feeding the flock of the word of God, the word of God suddenly doesn't increase. And instead of a healthy feast on the word, you, you, you're going to start getting microwave sermons, TV dinner sermons. Go on bestsermons.com and just copy paste. Yeah, we, I've never done that, just so you know. <laughs> you, you'll get fast food messages, chicken soup for the Christian soul, watered down or sugary sermons, soft sermons. I don't want that. You might want that, but you're not going to get that here. But I don't think you want that. I think that's why you're here is because you don't want that. I think that's exactly why you're here. You don't want that, do you? No. And that would be no advantage to you. That wouldn't be beneficial to you at all. The church would not be growing strong. So we're going to look at two primary things as we look at this. One, the role of the elders, the pastors, the shepherds, and also the response of the church. Last week, I shared a story of when Moses was raising his arms during a battle with Joshua and Amalek. Moses was becoming weary. Every time his arms would be raised, then Joshua would prevail. And every time he got tired and his arms came down, then Amalek would prevail. And so then all of a sudden, Aaron and Hur lifted his, his arms up. And so his arms stayed up. And because of the help of these brothers, the arms stayed up. And then Joshua prevailed. Now, in the very next chapter, even the very next verse, which starts the next chapter, there's a story about how Moses was again being overwhelmed. This is a very similar story to Acts chapter 6. Exodus chapter 18. I'm going to skip through a few verses here. But verse 13. So Moses, after this battle, he sat down to judge the people, meaning he was giving counsel. He was making judgments. He wasn't like, I'm judging. Oh, you're the worst. You know, not like that. <laughs> he was sitting down to judge the people, to make judgments. He was kind of basically like a judge between people's arguments and disagreements and stuff. Sat down to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. I mean, the line just went down around the corner. Now, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is it that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, well, the people come to me to inquire of God. Skipping to verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing isn't good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now going to verse 21. Moreover, look for able men from all the people. So this is just like Acts 6 here. Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And every great matter, every great, all the big matters they're going to bring to you, but any small matter, they're going to decide themselves. So it'll be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Now, if you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So again, here, just like Acts 6, the work was great, the needs were many, and it took Moses not just out of what he ought to be doing, but it was also wearing him out fast. 
And that would be of no value to the Hebrews. And so here, a very similar solution to Acts 6 was prescribed. Now, I've shared uh, with you guys over the years, many times, that throughout the course of a church's uh, family life, it'll often sort of change its, its primary feature. Sometimes a church is primarily an army. It's going out, it's just taking the hill. It's just, there's this excitement. Uh, there's this kind of adrenaline. Sometimes the church is more like a school where we're equipping, we're studying, we're kind of growing, we're maturing, we're kind of figuring things out. And sometimes the church is a hospital. There's a lot of pain, a lot of hurts, a lot of sin, a lot of brokenness. And hopefully, no matter what the primary thing is, and, and oftentimes in a church's life, it's a mixture of the three. Maybe they're majoring in army, but minoring in a hospital. Or maybe they're majoring in being a school, but then they've got a little bit of army over here, they've got a little bit of hospital over here. And sometimes one thing just kind of takes over, is like really central. Hopefully, no matter what that balance is, hopefully a church is also a family through all of that. A family that is an army, a family that is a school, a, a hospital that is a family. So we want to always be a family no matter what our balance is, no matter what's going on. A brief history of our church, we had, uh, when we started off in 2013, we were an army. We went for about a year and a half or two years, something like that, just on this like full adrenaline, everything's going great. And then 2015, we hit some big roadblocks. 2015, we had a lot of brokenness. We had a lot of um, just difficulties. And we really became kind of majored in the hospital over time, we were kind of healing, kind of growing. We're all learning some things about ourselves and um, looking really kind of inwardly at, okay, you know, what, what do we have to do to get stronger as a church? We started becoming a school around 2016, 17, 18. And then we we're kind of ramping in as we were kind of getting equipped and a little more kind of our courage built up after some, some uh, being sidetracked a bit. Uh, we also, we then start, kind of started becoming an army again, kind of getting more excited going into 2018, 2019. 2019, we had announced that uh, we were having two more elders that were brought on. We had this big party at our house where new believers were, were baptized at the house. It was October 6, 2019. I remember because it was like one of my favorite days in our church's history. And I, I had this thought like we're, we're becoming that army again. Yeah, you guys did too. That was your day. Yeah. We're becoming this army again. And then 2020, so many things. Braley getting cancer, COVID, our friend Pete dying, political stuff, all these things. Then, of course, the year after, Brittany, then my dad, and my wife and I got pregnant. We have our youngest is 14. That was crazy. And then we miscarried. It was just, I mean, it was just thing after thing after thing. So, obviously, we've kind of gone through these different seasons. So, lately, obviously, we know we've been majoring in the hospital and no one likes the hospital season but when you're motivated by the love of Christ motivated by the thinking that it is more blessed to give than to receive then those interruptions those disappointments they don't deter us like Acts 2 through 6 we press into each other because hopefully when we are primarily maybe that hospital we're still a family through it all now, I was talking with a, a pastor recently, a couple weeks ago, and uh, Dave Fandy, 
And I was sharing with him that I'd, I'd kind of had this little mini revelation for myself. There's this old saying that I've, I've known for a long time among pastors is the saying that you're either working in or you're working on the church. Right? You're either responding to things and reacting to things. That's what's going on in Acts 6. That's what's going on in Exodus 18. Right? Just responding to things, working within the people in the inside. Being, or you're working on the church, which is being proactive, being productive, kind of this vision moving forward. That's kind of the school army type thing. You probably understand that even in your own life, right? There's seasons you go through where you just kind of feel like you're just always sort of just treading water at best. You're responding, reacting. Things are just coming real quick. And there's other times you're just kind of, you're just doing well. Like things are kind of, you know, going on all cylinders and you just feel like life is pretty good and, and there's a lot of growth in life. Moses was working in the church, in the Hebrews in this case. The apostles in Acts 6 were being asked to continue to work in and just sort of respond and react. And so I was telling Dave uh, Fandy, I said, I know, I know that I and the elders as well, we've been working in the church for the last couple years. And I know that I personally have not been able to really work on the church. As I mentioned last week, this, this unintentional neglect. And again, you can probably relate when you've looked at parts of your life and just go, man, I, I've just been reacting, responding, and, and this, this weighs on me. Now, I know also that this has been a necessity. Like in the story of Moses, they only kept the difficult matters for him, and unfortunately for us, the last couple of years uh, has been a number of the most difficult matters. Uh, a lot of these big things are the most difficult matters. And keep in mind, there's always the ones that, that everyone knows about that are obvious when people get sick and all these things. But, uh, but you have to always understand that for every one thing you know is going on, there's like five others. There's always someone hurting in your church family that you don't know about. Right? So we see kind of the big obvious ones that we always, you know, we're kind of aware of. But there's always someone in this room watching online. There's always someone that is deeply hurting in our church. And so we know that it's been necessary to be working in the church these last couple years. And our goal, our hope, is to call you, our church family, to press in more and more like the Acts Church, to bring too much to the table like we saw in Exodus uh, 36 last week, where everyone's just bringing too much to the table, ways to, to give and, and serve. And along with the, the folks like our community group leaders and other folks I mentioned last week, like the Erdos is stepping in, the Nixes, the Adamses, the, we have our ushers, the worship team, hospitality crew, uh, all the different people that you guys have been so faithful over these last couple years, and then more that are kind of stepping in brand new, or maybe more deeply, our hope is to see the body of Christ working together in ways that brings a sustainable health, so we can see the word of God continue to increase and see disciples added to the body of Christ. So we can, even if we maybe have a primary thing, maybe it's hospital, but we want to start building up and bolstering the school and the, uh, the army aspect, trying to get back to a, more of a balance if we can. But that takes all of us pressing in. A few weeks ago, I was um, hanging out with just a few guys, and we were talking about this very thing. How do we, as a church, start turning this corner Building up that school part, that army part. How do, we, how do we pray? What do we pray towards? What can we be doing? And so I asked the question to some of these guys. I said, what, what do you think has been missing from our church the last couple years? 
And, and most of those things I mentioned last week, our community groups need, you know, it's just a, a bolstered health, uh, our kids' ministry, newcomers, those types of things. So I, I brought those up last week. I'm going to bring them up again at the end of this sermon too. So those things came up. But one thing that was brought up, uh, someone said, uh, the, uh, like just equipping classes. You know, we used to do equipping classes. And it was a, this weird blessing for me to hear that because it was almost like the ghost of life mission passed for me. First of all, what was encouraging and a blessing for me to hear that is, first of all, it came from someone who wants to be part of the solution and isn't just pointing out a problem. That was, that was the, I was just like, this is so great. I, just, I loved hearing that. But then also it was this weird blessing because just knowing that, that those were missed. We used to do them pretty frequently. We did a number of different types over the years. I know many of you just love the different ones that we've offered. But it was also this weird blessing to hear that because... It was like this music to my ears because personally, I love that. I love, I, I love the, the school part and the army part of a church. I love to see people equipped and see the light bulb go on in people's minds and, and get an excitement for something they didn't know was there in God's word before and see them take that into their life and see differences made. I, I love that stuff. I feel like, one, it's, it's a part of what a shepherd's supposed to do, that calling, but then I also feel like God is kind of a, I don't know if I'm good at it, but at least I have a passion for it. I don't know. But I enjoy that part. And, I, and, and when, he, when he said that, I'm, it was almost like this old memory popped up of, I miss that too. I love that. I love seeing people gathered around to go more deeply into practical parts of their life so they can see change and go out into their life and see the effect of God's word. I, I love that. I love that. And I miss that. But these last couple of years, that's been a near impossibility because of the great needs, because we've been working in and not on the church. And again, that's been necessary. And I need to say something too, because I want you to know that for me, it is a profound gift and honor for me to walk with people through their pain. So this is not a complaint. I'm not complaining here. I consider it a great privilege when I sit with any number of you who are going through hard times, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just stating realities, right? I, I love being your shepherd. I love it. It's hard. It's painful. But I love it because I just, I, I love you guys and I love our God. And uh, I believe deeply that this is what shepherds are for. I believe deeply that God has been sovereign and purposeful in all of this that we've seen our last couple years, and that it is for his glory and it is for him to transform us and build us up in love, to test our faith, to, to reveal our motivations, our idolatries, to, to teach us true dependency on him, and love for one another, so, so, so don't take this as a complaint at all. I know that God has put me on the earth for this. But the reality is also is that we want to either be able to do both or all three, hospital, army, school. And over the course of our church's history, you've usually been a mix. But if that hasn't been maybe currently possible or really too possible the last year or so, we want to figure out how to 
do that and press forward and press in and how to posture ourselves to become both or all three. And that's what I said to these group of guys is that to, to get back to that, to get back to that part, that more balanced approach, again, one thing is gonna maybe dominate and, and we don't have a control over that. We don't have control over hardships and calamities that come in our life. So, uh, so we wanna try to find at least a, a better mix, but we don't have control over what God brings in our lives. But to get back to that, we need to be seeing Acts chapter two through six happen in our church as it did before. And the church will be healthier for that for many, many reasons. And one of the reasons the church will be healthier is because the members of the body, how they respond to this, the members of the body will be doing what they were created to do. Uh, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 12 through 26 here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as the body physical human body, is one. I have one body, but I have many members, many body parts. So just like that, one body, many different body parts, and all the members, all the body parts, all the parts of the body, though there are many of them, they're one body. This is, I just have one body. And Paul says, it's the same with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, men or women, kids, doesn't matter. We're all baptized into one body and all of us were made to drink of one spirit. Now the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. The bo this, my body is not just a giant nose or finger. No, I have, I have many parts. Now if the foot, so picture your own foot, saying, well, yes, and I'm not a hand. I don't really belong. I'm not like the rest of them. I don't really fit in here because I'm a foot. Now, you may have felt that various times in your life, maybe social circles, maybe a church family, whatever it is. You go, well, I'm not like them, so I don't really fit in. But if the foot should say that, well, since I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that actually doesn't make it any less part of the body. If you feel like you don't quite fit in, that's okay. You don't have to fit in. You don't have to look like a hand. You don't have to look like an ear. Now, if the ear should say, well, since I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that also would not make it any less part of the body. Because if the whole body was just an eye, if, if, the, if our whole church family was all like one type of person, one gifting, one strength, one passion, we're all just super into this one thing, where would, where would the hearing be? If we're all eyes, how would we hear? Right? We, we need each other. We need the differences that we have. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Was that as it is, God, God does this. See, you know what we do? We like to get around people that are just like us, that have our same values and interests and all those things, and, 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 that's, and we kind of try to cultivate our life sort of like that. But as it is, God actually arranges a different thing. He has a different way of doing things. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. As he chose. Not as we chose, 
bunch of eyeballs hanging out with each other because that's what is comfortable because we get each other. We're, we're locked in sync. No, not as we chose. It's easy for us to do that, but that's not what a church is. Do you understand that? A church is not supposed to be all the same people with the same interests and the same passions and the same desires. That's not, a, that's not a church. Church is diverse. Church is, has differences. Church has some strong members, some weak members, some who are really struggling with a lot of sin, some who have overcome a lot of sin, some who have great fears and others who, don't, who are very bold. A church is supposed to reflect a body, not a single member, a hundred of them. That's not what a church is. And so Paul says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? You don't have a body at that point. You just have a bunch of people hanging out who just love all the same things. We're all the same, and, and, and it's, just, it's, it's fun. It's exciting, but it's not a church. It's not a body. It's not a body. So as it is, Paul says, there are many parts but one body. So, so let's stop here for a second. I want you to understand that you are not the body of Christ. You, the individual, you. You're not the body. You're a member of the body. You're a part of the body. But you are not the body of Christ. You are not the whole Christ. You're just one member. You're just one part of it. And that, that's a huge difference. You shouldn't want everyone in your life to see all the things that you do and just love doing all the same things. We need diversity in the body. We need strong and weak people because that helps all of us grow, just like Pastor Tyler was saying. The right arm is broken, the left arm gets stronger because the left arm is picking up slack with the right arm and that helps the left arm to grow and it helps the right arm to heal and when the right arm gets healthy, the right arm is stronger. Then they're working together again. That, that's, that's the whole point of being a body and gathering together. So we need that diversity. I mean, think of, think of how unique your, your own body is, radically different strengths and functions that each part of your body has, and radically different weaknesses. I mean, isn't it amazing, like, for the, you know, like, right hand, left hand, like, my right hand can do so many things that my left hand just can't do, and they're identical. It's the weirdest thing to me. And yet some other people, you know, in baseball, there's some switch hitters and all these things, like, some guys are equally as strong, some people like me, it's just one side is stronger than the other. So it's just, it's so crazy how different our body is with radically different weaknesses. What we can't do is just posture ourselves around others who are totally like-minded. We, we don't want to do that. Because listen, listen, we talk a lot about unity in the church. Unity does not mean uniformity. All right, unity doesn't mean uniformity. We can have unity in this church even though we're all different, we're at different phases of our walk with different interests, different gifts, different passions, different interests, different hobbies, different place of life, different ages. We don't, we don't have to have uniformity. The body doesn't have uniformity, does it? But yet it's unified. It's unified. Not uniform, but unified. You are meant to be around people who are not like you. That is God's design, and you will grow and mature through that. So getting back into verse 21, the eye, so the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Right, and we do that sometimes in our circles, you know, uh, we, just, we, kind of, we just like to be around people who are just so much like us, and we just look at this other group and go, I don't need that, I need this. 
They're holding me back. I need this. But the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. You can't look around this church family and say, we don't need that person. They're not needed here. You can't do that. Nor again can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the exact opposite is actually true. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. I mean, think about your eyelid. Imagine if you didn't have eyelids. That would be a big bummer. Very weak part of the body. No one thinks about the eyelids, but think about the protection it offers the eye. I mean, right? That, that's what he's saying here. The eye can't say to the eyelid, I don't need you. You're weak. I've got this power to see and all these things. And what do you do? You just flap up and down. <laughs> no, the eye needs the eyelid. Even though the eyelid is weak and no one cares about the eyelids. We don't think about the eyelids, but we need that. So the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we actually bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more, uh, which, which more presentable parts do not require. So some body parts we have are supposed to be covered up in modesty, yet they are incredibly important for life, procreation. We need the part, we actually cover up parts of our body that are super important. That's weird, right? When you think about it, we hide things that are important. We don't think about weak parts of our body that are actually really important. So how much you see a part of the body or think about a part of the body does not mean, that, that does not equate how important they are. Right? You see me and you hear me every week. That doesn't mean I'm more important than you, you, or you. I'm just a, a, a presentable part, a part that we maybe talk more about, an eyeball or whatever, but I can't say to you or you or you, I don't need you. Uh, you might be more shy, you know, so you're kind of like the more unpresentable part kind of a thing. You, in the background, you pray for your church family. Uh, I, I need you in my life. Even though you're maybe hidden from our sight, you're more modest in your approach to life, but I, I need you and your church family needs you. So God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. The body would be unified. But that the members may have the same care for one another. Think about that. Members caring for others that aren't as strong as them. Not getting annoyed and irritated because they're not as strong or, or they don't do things the way we do things. We don't get annoyed at them. We, 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 we don't look at them and think, well, since they're not the same as me, I don't need them. I need to be around people who are strong like me and passionate like me. No, no. We actually care for one another. And look at verse 26. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. We all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. That's a body. That's a body. Everyone here has a purpose within the body. You might not know that purpose or purposes or those roles. Don't wait for some kind of crazy revelation from God. Just step out and step in. Press in, step out in faith. Take a step towards the body of Christ. Put yourself in a position to be utilized, to be a blessing to others, to be a living stone that's being used to build up the church, the body of Christ. 
Remembering from last week that it is more blessed to give than to receive. As I mentioned last week, being blessed by the church comes from being a blessing to the church. You start seeing the way that you are actually a blessing to the body, how the eyelid helps the eye, and that becomes a blessing to you. Wow, I thought just being an eyelid was not that cool, but now I realize what I actually offer to the body of Christ. You can have a profound effect on the health of your church. The more folks that press in and function as they should and kind of figure out how they function, the more then the, the pastors are able to function as they should. And then the word of God grows and that feeds the church and the church family grows. This is really kind of like a life cycle. Think about that. When the members press in, that lets the pastors function as they should, feeding the, the word of God. And the word of God is being fed to the members. They're growing up, so they're pressing in even more because they're being built up and they're growing healthy. So the more they press in, then the more, see, see what I'm saying? It's, like, it's this life cycle. This is God's design. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So the same thing here, calling upon the saints to be pressing in and doing the work of ministry by building up the body of Christ. We're to do this, to equip each other until we all attain to the unity, unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And all this is so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, or to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body joined, these different parts, weak and strong, this whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So again, everyone here has a purpose and part of your purpose is to build each other up in love. Part of your purpose is to step in and go to work and you cannot say, I have no need of the other. And you can't also say, they don't need me. Look how... Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 4. Again, anytime we read from 1 or 2 Peter, I always think that Peter's probably thinking back to some of these early days. He might have been thinking of these events of Acts chapter 6. He says, the end of all things is at hand. This is towards the end of his life too. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, as each person has received a gift, each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So his grace is different. He gives different graces to each person. It's varied. We're not all going to be the same. Whoever speaks, so speaking of people who may have a gift of speaking, whoever speaks they should speak as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever, has, uh, whoever serves, so people who are more gifted at serving, serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order. So, so the two kind of main differences here, two kind of, uh, kind of umbrella uh, buckets of, of, of topics. You've got people who maybe serve more with like teaching, preaching, that kind of thing. You have others who serve more with serving and serving with their hands and practical things. In all of this, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. 
So these, these pictures in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter, when you think about the diversity of the body, do you realize that you will know and behold more of Christ when you're with his people? I mean, I mean think about that. Like, you will see more of Jesus in your life when you're with his body. And that, that just kind of makes logical sense, doesn't it? What, another way of saying that is that you can't know the broader picture of the whole Christ without being intertwined with the body of Christ. That's just not even possible. If you're just an eye going about and isolating and you're just an eye, the eye of the body of Christ going on just being an eye and doing eye things, you're going to be very limited in your understanding of who Jesus is because you don't know what the finger does or the thumb or the eyelid, the ear. You'll be incomplete in your life and your faith. You will see more of the glory of Jesus Christ the more you are pressed into the body of Christ. Imagine, imagine the day that you die and you go and you stand before the Lord and he's just a nose. That'd be kind of disappointing, I think. I want to see the whole Christ. I want to see his hands. I want to see his face. I want to see everything. I don't want to just see a nose. I want to see the whole Christ. So likewise, here, in this life, on this earth, now, we, we're not going to see the whole Christ because this is just one church with some members, and there's other churches and other members that go to other churches in Escondido and beyond. And we won't even know the whole Christ until we are standing face to face with the whole Christ. But in the meantime, if we want to see as much of Christ as we desire to see, we have to be around his body. We must be around his body. Otherwise, we'll have a very limited view of who Jesus is. We have his word. We have his word. But his word tells us that we are the body and we see who Christ is by being with his body. So otherwise, if we're just disconnected, we will be very limited. Now all this pressing in and taking ownership of our function in the body, it's for the purpose of enabling the word of God to continue to grow among the church, to grow in our hearts and our families and our homes. When we think about the church and we think about the things that we think that we need in order to grow and we become tempted to think, we need more of this, we need more of that, then we would grow if we think that we are fooling ourselves. Because Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, the word of God, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creatures hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, to, to challenge you, but also then to give you correction. So it doesn't just show you what you're doing wrong, but it actually shows you how to correct yourself. And for training in righteousness, and all this for this purpose, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And there's so many other Scriptures that talk about the importance and centrality of God's Word in our life and within our church family. So church, whether God has us in a season of a hospital or school, an army, or all three, hopefully always a family in the midst of those seasons, hopefully we'll always be a family who gathers in those seasons around the word of God, feasting with each other so that we would be built up in love, matured, equipped, healed, transformed, so that then we can take that same word of God into the lives of those that need to know Christ. But we have to always center ourselves around that feast 
of God's word. And it's through that very word growing in us and changing us, that's what's actually going to enliven us in our own function as members of the body to bring that same word to the lost in the ways that God brings into your life. And the church will grow because the word is increasing. Disciples will be added to the church when the word is increasing and working powerfully in our hearts. The word of God, church, is that powerful. I want to do something different to close up the sermon. I've mentioned in the last you know, couple months or so that uh, my family, we've been going through just a, a study, um, this is our, our doctrine and theology class. And um, the last you know, couple months, we've been looking a lot at the Word of God and the attributes of the Word of God and the power of the Word of God. And um, one of the things uh, that I had in this class was um, 35 attributes of the Word of God that the Word says, just some of the different things that the Word of, of God says about the Word of God, the various attributes. And what we did when our family was we, um, the four of us were just sitting around, and um, because there was 35, we just kind of went around, um, you know, one, two, three, four, just, we just kind of read these bullet points going kind of round robin until we got through the 35. And when we were done, it was just, it was, it was amazing, it was powerful to hear the four of us saying these attributes, there's just this uplifting thing. So what I want to do is I want to do that today. Um, I'm going to actually have my, my family come up, but I also want uh, some, some representatives here. Uh, because there's a diversity of the body, and we're all unified in this, um, we're going to have the 35 things we're going to have up on the screen. We're all going to stand together, and you can stand together right now. And I'm going to start off with the men. And men, we're going to read the first five things that end up on that screen. And then you ladies, I want to hear you guys. Katie will lead you guys to read the next set of five. Then my boys are going to lead you kids. And you kids got to be loud. I want you to outdo your parents, okay? And so I want to hear the men read the first five, then the women read the next five, then the kids read the next five. We're going to do this until we get to the end of the 35. Okay, so I need a few kids to maybe join my boys. Boys, you guys go over here. Uh, they've got a, their microphone. Is it on? Tap it. There we go. Uh, Katie and I will be over here, so I'd, I'd like a couple guys to come up and join me, a couple gals to come up and join Katie. Uh, we're we're going to be down here. I'm going to make it easier for everyone. Um, we're going to be turning here looking at the screen. Oh, kids. Kids, let's go. Let's go. Kiara, Henry. All you're going to be doing is just is you're going to be reading on the screen. It's, it's really, it's not scary. It's not scary at all. And, the, and Mike and Liam are really nice boys. There we go. Doesn't have to be, I mean, yeah, I mean, all the kids is great. Wow, look at that. So obedient. Nice job, parents. All right. So we're just going to be reading um, as we see these. And uh, so all the men, I want you to join with us, guys. Then Katie will prompt the women, and then uh, Mike and Liam will prompt the kids. So let's see that first list here. All right, men, let's begin. His word is eternal. His word is holy. His word is pure. His word is perfect. His word is truth. To obey his word brings life. To disobey his word brings death. His word preserves our life. His word is our direction and it counsels us. His word is our lamp for our path. All right, kids, let's begin. His word is righteous. His word is 
All right, man, let's begin. His word is omniscient. His word is omnipotent. His word is omnipresent. His word is infallible. His word is perfect. All right. His word is unbreakable promise. His word brings true freedom. His word sanctifies us. His word is sweeter than honey. His word is worth more than anything else. Kids, let's begin. His word is our daily bread. His word keeps us from sin. His word keeps us pure. His word is to be praised. His word makes us wise. His word brings salvation. All right, now everyone together. We should sing about his word. We're to put our hope and trust in his word. We should long for his word. We should love his word. God lifts his word above all things, along with his name, and so should we. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. So, church... Let's close again this week with uh, what I shared with you guys last week. Um, if you have your connection card in front of you or there's the QR code that's in the bulletin, you can open up that. Uh, we'd love to have you guys respond. Think through how God might be directing you to, to step out a little bit. Um, maybe it's by saying, hey, I'm, I'm interested in a community group. We're going to be launching those in September right after Labor Day. Uh, so if it's just something you're thinking about, you want more information about, uh, let us know. I, I want to get back into that rhythm. I want to be back in the, the body in that particular way. Uh, also, uh, soon we're going to be um, having our, our women's monthly. Uh, actually, is that coming up soon? Yeah, it's going to be August 29th. It's going to be our next. Okay, August 29th, ladies. That's a Monday, uh, and that'll be monthly. So that's another way to get involved. Uh, we have our monthly prayer that's at my house uh, that we always announce. Um, in a couple of weeks, we have our, our big kind of picnic day party. So again, if you want to help with that or if you just let me know that you're, you want to come uh, to that. Uh, if it's serving uh, in our kids' ministry, in our sound ministry, with the ushers, helping set up and tear down, hospitality. If, if you, and if, maybe if you don't know, you don't go, I don't know where I want to help. I, just, I know I want to help. All right, so just fill out that card. You can put the card in that, that box that's over there on the table or you can email us. Uh, or you can do the, scan the QR code. Uh, let us know how you want to be part of this so that the word of God continues to increase in the body of Christ so that disciples will be added to the church uh, as part of this whole beautiful process that God has for us. So uh, allow me to pray and thank the Lord for his word, that his word is that powerful, that his word is all those things and more. That was just 35, but there's a lot more that the word of God is for us. Father, we thank you that you are such an incredible God. You are so faithful to us. And your word is so powerful. And, and we just, we confess that oftentimes we neglect it. We, we, we look to other things to build our life upon, to work in us. But we need your word to be that sharp two-edged sword that goes in and transforms us and fills us and that would dwell in us so that we'd be overflowing as, as these disciples that are now equipped by the word, by the gospel, so that we go out in the power of the gospel and we share the gospel with those who need to hear it, those who are lost, those who are hurting, to help us, Lord. Help us to be the family that you desire for us to be. Staying faithful 
to us and with us in all the various types of seasons that we find ourselves in as a, as a family. You're a good God, faithful to us. You will walk with us through the sea, through all the ups and downs. When we're hurting, we're gonna hurt with each other. When we rejoice, we rejoice with each other and you're with us through all of it. And we're thankful for that. Lord, we love you. We love your word. And as we just said, we, we want to lift up your word alongside your name, above all things in our life. Help us to do that. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.